Good morning, and welcome to the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. Typically, we're with you Tuesdays and Thursdays from 10 a.m. to 12 noon, uh, but we got a special episode for you today, given that I wasn't able to be on with you guys live yesterday, um, and the time slot's going to be different this morning, obviously, as well, uh, but we're certainly grateful to be among you guys on today and hope that we're able to share some um, good gospel wisdom with you all on this morning. Um, in today's episode, we're going to be talking about the difference between judgment and condemnation. I've been seeing a lot of people talking uh, over the past few months about, you know, judging people and feeling like we're not able as Christians to judge folk. Um, but we have, but in so in doing so, I feel like there's a big, dis, big um, misunderstanding between what it means to be judging someone in the Christian faith and condemning somebody to heaven or hell. And so today we're going to spend some time talking about that. Um, and hope that we're able to share some good gospel nuggets with you on this morning as we're diving into God's word and talking about this topic. And so I hope that you're having a fantastic day in the name of the Lord. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, feel free to drop down in that comment box below and let us know how you're thinking, how you're feeling, and how you're living. There's no, there's no, um... Uh, comment that's out of bounds. We just ask that you just keep it classy so that way we don't get shadow banned by TikTok. But we certainly do great are grateful that you are here and hope that we're again able to share some gospel wisdom with you all on this morning that will edify your souls. We're going to start off with a word of prayer and then we're going to jump into our word this morning as we're talking about the difference between judgment and condemnation. Heavenly Father, we come before you saying thank you for another blessed day in your presence. We're asking Lord God that you just Saturate us with your love, with your grace, with your presence, with your with your mercy, uh, with your forgiveness, Lord God, with your salvation, with your sanctify with your sanctifying power on today. We ask, Lord God, that you just touch us in a way that allows us to just be illuminated by your word on today. Decrease us all in flesh that you may increase in spirit within us. Render to us a word that will edify, magnify, deliver, and set free. To ones who are not, may this word touch those who don't have a walk with you, that they may grow closer to you. And for those who do have a walk with you, God, that we just be edified um, as the body of believers in Christ. Lord God, we thank you for all that you've done, what you're doing, and what you're going to do. And ask that you just continue to strengthen and encourage us as we go along this journey from one degree of glory to the next. And all these things will be so careful to give your name praise, glory, and honor. And we thank your son, Jesus Christ, for making all this possible by living the life that we couldn't live, dying the death that we deserved, rising again, and crediting us with your righteousness that we may be called the righteousness of God. All these things we ask in your son, Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So I was in a conversation with a guy, with a person on threads the other day. Um, he had made this statement that said that we as the believers in God should not be judging any of our brothers and sisters in Christ. And he said for reference to go to the book of James, um, James chapter four, that talks about us not judging our brothers and sisters. Um, and as a, and, and so I asked him, you know, what do you mean by that? What do you mean we're not supposed to judge one another? Um, and he said, again, going to James chapter four. Um, and so I, so in, um, obeying the, the command, I went to the book of James and looked at chapter four to see what he was referring to. Um, come on, James. He said to go to James chapter four, 
starting at verse number 11. It says, Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, if you, if you judge the law, you are a doer of the law. You are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? And so, um, in looking at that, I said, okay, that's interesting. Well, if we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 5, we find that Paul tells us that we, in fact, are supposed, we are supposed to judge our brothers and sisters. He says to us in verse in, in chapter five, um, hold on, make sure. Chapter five, 1 Corinthians, starting at verse number three. For though absent in body, I am present in spirit, and as if present, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. And in this thing, he was, you know what, I'm just go, I'm going to go, I'm going to go to verse number one. We're going to start from the very beginning. First Corinthians chapter five, verse number one. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that is not tolerated even among pagans for a man in his father's a man has his father's wife and you are arrogant. Aren't you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from you. For though absent in body, I am present in spirit, as if, pre and if, and as if present, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. When you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus and my spirit is present with the power of the Lord Jesus, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of this world. But now I am writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or swindler, not even to eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church? Whom you are to judge, God judges those outside. Purge the evil one, the evil person from among you. So notice, Paul gives us a distinct difference. He says, God judged the outside, God judges the outsiders, but we judge those who are inside the kingdom that are inside the kingdom and those that are in our churches. So. The person then told me, well, then what is then? Let's go to let's go to Jesus's words himself. When Jesus says. In Matthew, chapter seven, starting at verse number one, judge not that you not be judged 
for with judgment you pronounce you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take out the log with your own eye, of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So, I said to, so I said to him, what it sounds like he's having a, a, a difference of distinction with, what he's having an issue with is the difference between judgment and condemnation. Judgment and condemnation. Now, I'm saying the same thing that Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. And so I'll make sure I want to bring this up one more again. What have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. So the first disclaimer that we want to put out there before I move further, any, 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 go any further with this, is that I am not talking to unbelievers. So if you are an unbeliever, I am not talking to you. Thank you for coming. Please have a seat. Enjoy the view, enjoy the show, all, the, all that jazz. I am not talking to you, okay? So anything that I say from here forward, I am not talking to you. So don't come on here talking about you being judgmental and da 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 that's why I don't follow you. I'm not talking to you. It's not my job to judge you. That's God's work. I don't have a heaven or a hell to put anybody in. That is not my job. That is not my responsibility. That is not my place. For the unbeliever, my job is to tell you that God loves you and wants a relationship with you. That he died for our sins and upon repentance and belief can give you a new life, give you a new heart, and give you a purpose that that pales, um, that, that anything else pales in, in comparison to. But when it comes to judgment... I don't have a heaven or a hell to put you in. I don't have the ability to condemn you to heaven or hell. That is not my job. That is God's work. And it is not my place to place judgment upon anyone who is an unbeliever. Now, for the believers in the house, Paul instructs us that if we have brothers and sisters in the church in our family of God, who are claiming to be believers and walking in unrepentant sin, it is our responsibility to call them out on that. It is our responsibility to call them out on that. We, have a du we are duty-bound to be our brother's keeper. We are bound by God, bound by Christ to be our brother's keeper. In love, we call them out on their sin so that their souls may be saved. So I'm going to go back to verse number 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 5. For though absent in body, I am present in spirit. 
And as if present, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. When you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus and my spirit is present with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Give you some context. In, in, the, in the city of Corinth, in the country of Corinth, here's this church and you got a dude who is sleeping with his dad's wife. And even the pagans of Corinth didn't do stuff like that. Not only did they not say anything to this dude, they were hyping him up as if he was doing something fantastic. Yeah, yeah, dog, that's all, yeah. These are believers doing this. Paul says, this man is walking in unrepentant sin. And y'all have the audacity to hype him up, to celebrate him, to champion him. To laud him as if he's doing something great? No. As the believers in God, if we say that we are brothers and sisters in Christ, we see this happening and we say nothing, we can't say that we are believers and walk in unrepentant sin. There's a fundamental difference between struggling with sin and walking in unrepentant sin. Struggle with sin, you see godly grief that leads to repentance that produces a salvation without regret. Unrepentant sin, I'm gonna do what I'm I'm doing what I want to do, being who I want to be, don't care, and I'm claiming Christ to be my Lord and Savior. And can we call a can we, can we call a spade a spade? Some of us are walking in unrepentant sin right now and claiming to be believers we're claiming to be believers some of us are you know are having um are are, are shacking up with no intention of getting married some of us are greedy constantly trying to climb the ladders of success and tearing down whoever we got to tear down in order to get there some of us are, um, you know, uh, are drunkards. We we can't we can't do anything without having a beer bottle in our hands. We, you you know we we're taking drugs left and right, illicit drugs left and right. You know we 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 we're very mean and abusive toward our spouses, toward our loved ones, toward our children. We're very neglectful. You got pastors who act like they 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 love the church, but their wives and husbands can't stand how wives and husbands can't stand them. Preaching hard for the Lord, being there for the Lord in ministry for the Lord, but their spouses and their children can't stand them. You name it, they're all up in it. Liars. Gamblers, cutthroat, ruthless, and they are carrying 
the banner of Christ on their chest. I'm a Christian. Walking in unrepentant sin. Don't care who knows. Don't care who sees. I'm going to do me. Many of us are walking in unrepentant sin and claiming Christ to be Lord and Savior. He may be our Savior, but he ain't our Lord. We may love the love that he gives, but we ain't trying to have him be the rulers of our lives. Paul says that these are the people that we are responsible for calling out. When we know they're walking in unrepentant sin, when we know that they're walking in, in a way that's contrary to the power of Christ, when we know that they're walking in ways that, you know, would bring defamation to the name of Jesus. We are called by the word of God to step in that fray and say, hey man, let's talk for a minute. You can't be doing this. You not this. You can't be doing this. Really? This is what we doing? This is what this is what we doing. This 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 what we this this, this is what we doing for real. Okay. Why? Why are we doing this? Again, there is a distinctive difference between calling somebody out in the faith. Again, I'm not talking to unbelievers. So unbelievers, this ain't about you. I'm talking about those who are claiming to, that Christ is their Lord and Savior. There's a difference between calling them out because they claim in Christ, claiming this, that, they're, that they're upholding to the standards and the precepts of Jesus and, when, and walking woefully short of that and condemning somebody to hell. We, as the body of Christ, we don't condemn anybody to heaven or hell. That's not our job. That's not our place. We are fruit inspectors, and the tree is known by the fruit that it bears. And so sometimes we'll be like, I don't know. You might not be, you know, I'm just, I ain't trying to say you, but you ain't looking fruity to me. You know, you're looking rather dry, you know. But we don't have a heaven or a hell to put anybody in. So it's not our place to sit here and say, you going to hell. You going to hell. You're he heaven, hell. Heaven, hell. We don't, that's not our job. That's not our role. And what happens, what's happened is we have weakened our definition of the word judgment to the point where anytime we call somebody out for doing something, they, people are thinking that we're calling them out to go to hell. No. That's not what's that's not what's happening in most cases. But in our super sensitive world that we live in today, which is basically swinging the pendulum from how hard life was as a Christian prior to somebody finally getting some gospel centeredness in them. And not living out legalism anymore. We can't tell anybody anything anymore about how they're living and what's in and how they're living contrary to the word and living contrary to how God would have them to live and that they're not walking in the way that God has, you know, saved their souls and, 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 and 
and and and walking them in the newness of Christ, that they're not walking in that in the direction that Christ would have them to walk in. We can't say that now because if we say that, we're hurting people's feelings. As if feelings are more important than their souls. I told y'all this er, the earlier this week. We 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 care so little about our souls. We care more about our feelings, more about our thoughts, more about our actions, more about our money, more about our relationships, more about our possessions, more than our positions, than we do our souls. And so I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but we but we 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 we're very content with them walking down the path of darkness. This is what you're saying. We don't have a heaven or a hell to put anybody in. That's God's work. That's God's job. God's righteous judgment is reserved for him. That's his work. But our job as the believers in God is to hold believers in God accountable to who they say they're following. If you say that you are a believer in Jesus, if you say that Jesus is the Son of God, and you say that Jesus has pardoned your sins, and you say that you are a believer in him, and you say that you have repented and denounced all other gods except him, and that you are pushing all your chips in with him, you cannot be a believer in Jesus and walk in unrepentant sin at the same time. You can't. And it's our job as the believers in God to call people out when that happens. Now, how we do that, because again, just because it's our job doesn't mean that now we become the whole, we become, as Tim Ross put it, Holy Spirit Jr., where we're now going in and trying to guilt people into turning. That's not what God calls us to do. In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus tells us how to go about helping people who are living in unrepentant sin and claiming Christ as their Lord and Savior. So again, I'm not talking to the unbelievers. I'm not talking to the unbelievers. I'm talking strictly to the believers. When your brother in Christ is walking in unrepentant sin, Jesus gives us the blueprint on how to lovingly try to lead them back to Jesus. Verse 15 of Matthew chapter 18. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and and him alone. If he listens to you, check this, you have gained your brother. Notice what the end game is. It's not to be right. It's not to get an apology. It's not to have the gotcha moment. It's not to say, aha, you see, told you. That's not the end game. The end game is their soul's re uh, revitalization. It is to get them to turn back to God. Even if it means the end of our relationship. 
I'd rather you not have a relationship with me, but have a relationship with Jesus than to have a relationship with me and your soul be lost. So the end game is not the apology. The end game is not me feeling better. The, the, the end game is not, you know, being right and them being wrong. The end game is their souls. If you if he listens to you, you have gained your brother. The first thing that we do as believers when it comes to righteous judgment is we go and we tell, tell the person, hey, bro, what you doing? That ain't right. That's foul. That's messed up. Shouldn't be doing that. Nah, man. This ain't, this ain't what we do. This isn't, this isn't us. This isn't what a believer in Christ is supposed to be doing. And I've been noticing, you know, for a while now, you just kind of been doing what you've been doing all willy-nilly. No, there's no repentance. There's no desire to change. There's no, you know, you just, just keep doing it. And I don't understand why you're doing that and where, where you feel justified in doing that. Would, would, would you be opposed to us sitting down and talking about your, your, your thoughts behind all that? And, and, and why that seems to be, you know, the path that you've chosen for yourself. Help me understand where you're coming from with all that. Maybe I'm missing something. Maybe I've gotten something wrong. Help me to see what you see. If he listens to you, y'all have a conversation. He re recognized the error of his ways and that godly grief leads to repentance then hallelujah. For many of us, we don't want to go to the person alone. Call it fear, cowardice. Call it, you know, I don't want to be offended. I want to offend him or, you know, that's embarrassing or whatever. A lot of us, we don't want to go and talk to our brothers one-on-one. -on -one. We'd rather... Get the gang together. Do an intervention. Rather than do what Christ has prescribed us to do. So we go to our person. Tell them, hey, you messed up. You did something. What's, what's going on? That doesn't work. We didn't take it to the next level. If he does not listen... Take one or two brothers along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. So, after you've tried going to this person one-on-one -on -one and talking to them, again, this is talking about righteous judgment. You go to that person, you talk to them, you're like, hey man, let's walk through why you doing what you're doing. That don't work. You take two, maybe three with you two maybe three so that all of you can have a conversation about what you're seeing don't take your boys you know take someone unbiased 
but someone within the family of believers, the local body of believers that you have, so that you guys can talk it out. Again, because what's the end game? It's not about being right. It's about trying to gain that brother or sister back to the kingdom. Talk to them, share with them the gospel, what we know to be true about Christ, what the standard is that we're supposed to be living by, you know, what should be producing out of us. Then when that doesn't work, tell it to the church. Now, we're not talking about the whole assembly. You take it before pastor, the elders, the ministers, and we all have a conversation now. And we're all talking to one another. We're talking about Jesus. We're talking about, you know, the, the pardon of the sins. We're talking about, you know, how God has saved us and redeemed us. And in doing so, we try to figure out where, where are you going wrong? What, why did you think this is okay? Why are you still not getting it? Like, you talk to one-on-one. You've been talked to by two or three. You've been talked to by what, like... Why do you think this is okay? Why? When that doesn't work, you treat that person like a tax collector and sinner. And how do we treat tax collectors and sinners? Like unbelievers. And what do we say to unbelievers? God loves you and wants a relationship with you. See, at the end of the day, it's all about salvation. The, the, the salvation and the sanctity of the souls. Again, far too often we are neglecting the most important part about ourselves. We are not bodies. We are souls. Souls that are inhabiting bodies. When we die, this body is going back to the dust. But our souls, our souls are what are going on to glory, going on to be with the Lord. We are souls, and as such, it would do us well to spend more time cultivating our souls than we do everything else. It's not to say that we neglect our bodies or neglect our minds or neglect our jobs or neglect our relationships but when it comes to the soul work that we need, it would do us well to pay attention to and cultivate that at the uppermost. We are souls. We spend more time getting BBLs than we do cultivating the soul. We spend more time getting jacked bodies than we do thinking about our souls. We spend more time elevating our careers and elevating our status in this world than we do our souls. We spend more time trying to get booed up with somebody than we do nourishing and cultivating our souls. Nowadays, being a Christian is, a fa is more of a fad than it is a lifestyle change. 
a complete transformation. We spend more time trying to find the most popular church to go to so we can be in the in crowd than we do actually want to spend time with the Lord. Can I, can I burst somebody's bubble? What you do on Sunday is not that important compared to what you do Monday through Saturday. Anybody can get up and perform, but what are you doing in the shadows? What are you doing when no one's watching? What are you doing when there's when the lights are off? When the cameras are off? When your TikTok video recordings are off? What are you doing then? And what you're doing or not doing will become evident. It will become evident by your fruit. And we as the believers in God have been charged to be fruit inspectors. To see whether or not you are producing what you say you believe. And when you don't, if you don't, it, we are charged by the word to ask, hey, what's up? I've been noticing lately, you're not really living the type of lifestyle that Christ would compel us to live. That the heart of flesh that God has given us when he translated out the heart of stone, it doesn't seem to be beating for Jesus. In that you're walking in an unrepentant lifestyle, unrepentant sin, doing what you want to do while claiming to be a believer. You have believer on your chest, but is it in your heart? We are charged to, in love, walk alongside our brothers and sisters, be our brothers and sisters keepers, not condemn them. We, can't, we don't have a heaven or a hell to put anybody in. But to righteously call out what we see in hopes that in us saying something to them, they will look inward and say, you know what? You're right. I, I, I don't know, or maybe I do know, and I just didn't care, but you're right. If I'm a believer, I can't keep living like this and say that I'm saved. I can't claim Christ and this, like this ain't going to work. I've got, I've got to do something, and that godly grief will lead to repentance and thus, rep thus produce a salvation without regret. And that is the charge of the believer. So the difference then between judgment and condemnation. They appreciate you, Asha. The difference between judgment and condemnation. Condemnation says you going to hell. You going to hell. You going to hell for that. You going to hell for that. We don't have a heaven or a hell to put anybody in. Period. That's God's work. 
That's God's job. That's God's responsibility. Let us get out of God's business. Let us preach the gospel with fervor and let people know there is a heaven and a hell that we're going to. You got to decide which one you want. But let's get out of God's way by saying you're going to hell. You're going to heaven. You're going to hell. You're going to heaven. You're going to hell. Because the question you then have to ask yourself is, just like Jesus said, by what measure are you measuring that? Because the truth of the matter is, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that's why we need a savior. Our message should not be, you're wrong and that's why you're going to hell. Our message should be, we are all wrong and we need Jesus. We all need a savior. We all need Jesus. We all need someone to save and redeem us. And once you become a believer, you will have to die to yourself. Die to your will. Die to your way. Die to what you want in this life. Die to all those things in favor of what Christ wants for you. Again, not to say don't go out and try to pursue your dreams, go out and try to pursue your goals, try to go out and pursue your endeavors, but anything that stands in the way of you and having a righteous relationship with the Lord, that you got to burn that off. It's going to have to be burned. It's going to have to be purged. It's going to have you're going to have to be purified. If you're going to be a believer in Jesus, you have to go through the refiner's fire. We all have to go through the refiner's fire. There's something you're going to have to give up. And most of the time, it's things that we love. Most of the times, it's things that we crave. Most of the time, it's things that we treasure. Most of the time, it's things that we value. Especially some of us who we love to judge people. We love to condemn them. We, 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 almost, we almost crave it to be able to sit on a throne and say, you're going to hell. Some of us love that. Jesus is saying, you got to give that up. You have to give that up. It is not your place to condemn someone to hell. That's God's work. Your job is to lovingly lead them. Lovingly lead them. The type of judgment that God calls us to is lovingly calling out sin. And in doing so, for the believers, show them, man, look, this is the standard that we're supposed to be living by. This is the, this is the standard we're supposed to be living by. Why are you not living the way that God would have you to live? This is the standard. Once again, just in case, just in case y'all think I'm talking crazy. Paul tells us specifically in chapter 5 of, um, of 1 Corinthians, he says, I am writing to you not to, to not associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or swindler, not to even eat with such a one. Here it is. Go back up to verse number, number nine. 
I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. Not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters. Since then, you would need to go out of the world. So notice Paul is making the distinction. He's not saying that we judge everybody. It's not what he's saying. That we, that we just disassociate with everybody in the world. Because if we do that, then who are we talking to? Who are we, who are we giving the good news of the gospel to? We can't separate from everybody. But I am now writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he is guilty of sexual, immor uh, sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or swindler. Not to even eat with such a one. Verse number 12. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? These are the words of Paul out of 1 Corinthians chapter 5. What have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. So there are again, some people who will love to sit in their seat of judgment and justify judging people. But here are scriptures telling us judgment, the type of judgment that God has imbued us by the power of the spirit to, 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 to have is not about everybody. Number one, two, it's not about heaven or hell. It's about those who are in the body of Christ who are living in unrepentant sin, our responsibility to them. We are to judge righteously those people in hopes that we can bring them back to Christ. The end game is Jesus. The end game is a right relationship with him, even at the cost of a relationship between you and me. The end game is about them and their righteous standing with God. Because again, I, we don't have a heaven or a hell to put anybody in. But God, he's, he, he has that final say. So we lovingly tell them, hey, brother, you're going in the wrong direction. Hey, you know, but turn, go this way. But at the end of the day, we don't have a heaven or a hell to put anybody in. That's God's work. So we preach and teach the gospel to those who are unbelievers, letting them know, hey, God loves you and wants a relationship with you. For those who are believers, hey, man, this is the standard that we say we live by, but you're walking contrary to that. Help me understand. Help me understand what's going on. Like, help me understand. Help me, help me. Why is this? The path that you've chosen. Why is this the way that you're walking? Let's talk. Let's dig into these scriptures. Let's understand how are you getting what you're getting from what you're from what you you claim to be what you're following. Help me understand it. Help me make sense of it. So I'm sharing this with you guys today to help believers understand what our responsibility is.
you are responsible for your brothers and sisters. In this hyper-individualized society that we live in today, nobody wants to talk to anybody about the stuff that they're going through or the issues that they have or the struggles that they have. They want to just keep those, those things to themselves. And if they see their brother or sister walking by the wayside, they don't want to say anything to them because I don't want to say anything that's going to offend them. I don't want to say anything that's going to hurt their feelings. I don't want to do anything that's going to cause any chaos. I don't want to cause problems. I don't want to cause issues. I don't want to cause falling out. We are responsible for our brothers and sisters. All those one another's in the New Testament, we are responsible for our brothers and sisters. We are to walk alongside them. And if we see our brother going astray, take that rod of correction and say, hey, bro, not this way. Hey, let's talk. Hey, let's, let's, let's talk about this. And yeah, it's not easy. It's not easy work because people's feelings are easily crushed. I can't believe you would say anything like that to me. Oh my gosh, I can't believe you would think that about me. Oh my gosh, you know, oh, that hurts so much. Oh, you hurt my feelings. Yeah, you hurt, the feelings might be hurt, but how's your soul? How's your soul? How, like, I'm more concerned about your soul than I am your feelings. I'm more concerned about making sure that you and God are good than your feelings. I'm more concerned about making sure that you know where things stand between you and him in light of who you say you're following than your feelings. You can hate, you can, you hate me for the rest of your life. I'm cool with that. My battle is not with flesh and blood. It's against principalities, powers, and rulers in, in dark places. And I love you too much to not say anything. I was talking to a client this weekend. And the client and her husband are constantly getting into these bickers and, bat and, and, and whatnots. And she's struggling really bad with her mental health issues and whatnot. And he's having a hard time trying to navigate having conversations, with, tough conversations with her because she's always flipping out. And as we're having this conversation, I point out some it, some discrepancies, and she flips all the way out and runs and goes to the bathroom, starts crying, wailing, bawling her eyes out. I'm talking to the husband. I'm saying, you know, we, we hit a trigger point. So what happens when she gets triggered? Just let her come back. She comes back, and she talks about, I just feel like I'm not being heard. I feel... Like I'm not being, um, you know, received. I feel like, you know, this, I, and I feel, and I said, let's be clear. You didn't hire me to live in your feelings. You hired me to be able to make a distinction between fact and feeling. And right now, you're taking your feelings and pushing them way above where they're supposed to be. And in doing so, you are blind to the facts. And the facts are, everything that you're feeling, you are the cause of. He is not responsible for your feelings. Everything that you're feeling, he is not the cause of. 
it's not his responsibility to, to check your feelings when he's doing the right thing. Now, if he's doing something wrong, we got a whole other conversation to have. But when he's doing the right thing, doing everything right, doing everything by the book, doing everything that we've discussed, doing everything that we talked about, he's not responsible, when he, especially when he's doing it right, for how you receive it and how you feel about it. You got to learn how to regulate your feelings. And she got 98 hot all over again and left. Some of us are so in our feelings about everything that it blinds us to the facts. And we as the believers in God have gotten so scared of hurting people's feelings that we won't give them truth. We won't tell them what they need. We won't tell them that, they, that, they're, that they, they have a soul that can be saved and a soul that can be lost. We won't tell them, hey, you're walking in unrepentant sin. We won't tell them the truth about Jesus and what he's come here to do. We won't tell them the truth about how he truly loves them and how he really wants a relationship with him. And even then, ex even then at, the, at the end of it all, we don't have the power... To save anybody. That's God's work. He's got to transform that heart. But we have to present the gospel to them. So that the seed of the gospel can be planted. And God does the work. Plant the seeds of the gospel. Preach the gospel. Teach the gospel. Tell them of the goodness of Jesus. And all that he's done for us. Tell them, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Tell them, you don't have to live like this no more. You don't have to do it this way anymore. You don't have to be that person anymore. You can change. You can be different. You can have a relationship with the Lord. You can walk in the newness of Christ. Christ has done that work for us when he got on the cross and died for our sins. The ticket has been punched. You just got to take it. The ticket has been punched. You just got to receive it. The ticket has been punched. You just got to open your arms to it. And once you are in the kingdom, you got to die to yourself. You got to take up your cross and follow him daily. Daily. And it's not easy. It's not, it's not, an, it's not an easy endeavor. It's not an easy affair. It's some hard days that's coming when we carry this cross. But we carry the cross because of the supremacy of Jesus. The, the scriptures tell us, you know, um, um, when Paul says, Philippians chapter 3, I counted all his loss compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. I pressed toward the mark. I hadn't, I hadn't attained it yet, even though it's mine, but I'm pressing. I'm pressing toward the mark. I'm pressing my way. I'm pressing. And that is the message that we give to everybody. And when our, when our fellow brothers and sisters are walking in unrepentant sin, we tell them in love. And we do so having the relational equity so I'm not saying that we sit out here and call out people that we don't know. Because for a lot of us, what we'll do is we'll call out preachers who we've never spoken to, 
call out deacons that we've never spoken to on our platforms and talk about this person and that person and make little clips and videos and things. Like, I got to tell the truth. This is our job. This is our ministry. This is our passion. And we ain't got no relationship with that person. In fact, we when they, if that person would ever DM us and say, hey, let's chat, we crickets. But we sure want to build a platform so that we can have a place to be able to spew whatever we want to say and call that, I'm just doing the work of the Lord. It's easy to do ministry behind the screen. But what does your ministry look like when the, when the cameras are off? Those same people that you're calling out, are you talking to them? Have you had conversations with them? Are you desiring to have them get closer to Jesus or do you want to be right? So for many of us, we've spent so much time trying to either judge everybody because we feel like we've we, we're now in the seat of Jesus and now have the power to judge everybody. I'm talking about everybody. You going to hell, you going to heaven, you going to hell, you going to heaven, you going to hell, you going to heaven. I am the arbiter of judgment. Or I ain't going to say nothing because, you know, I don't want to hurt their feelings. I don't, I don't want to cause problems. I don't want to cause conflict. I don't want to cause any issues and rifts. I really like where our relationship is. And I just want to call, I don't want no smoke. You know, I don't want, I don't want to bother nobody. So either we're arrogant and idolatrous or we're lily livered and cowardly. And God is calling us to be neither. Rather, by the power of Christ and what he's accomplished on the cross, we recognize what Christ did for us. That's what humbles us. I realize what Jesus did for me. The sins of the world, okay, that, no, that's great, I'm glad. But I know what he did for me. What he forgave me of. And that's enough. That he did it for me. Someone who is unworthy. I have no reason. To have been saved. There's, there's no. I should be the one sitting in. Hell's garden. Hell's kitchen. Hell's playground. Hell's house. That, that should be my house. But Christ thought enough of me that he got up on a cross and bled and shit and, and shed tears and, 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 and spilled his guts for me. Stayed in the tomb. Got up the third day. Defeated hell. Talking about took it down. Gave it the... For me, rose up again and then credited me with his righteousness. Credited me with his righteousness. 
That is what keeps me from judging anybody outside the kingdom. Because I was once an outsider. I was once that person who didn't deserve to be considered a child of God. And for some, for some of us that are still watching today, that should be our testimony. None of us deserve the kingdom. None of us. But that he thought enough of you and me. That he thought enough of you and me. That he said for them. I will die. So that they can live. Wretches undone. Wretches like us. The busted up. Broken. Disgusted. Sin filled. Arrogant. Glory thieving. Human beings that we are. Christ died for us he did that for us that should humble us to never judge a person outside of the kingdom but rather preach to them come on come come through jesus come through i'm gonna let, I'm gonna let jesus tell you tell you why t t t tell us what John 3, 14 through 17. No, 14 through 18. Moses, as, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. Like, you hear that? If you are a believer in Jesus, you are no longer condemned. Paul said it like this in the book of Romans. Glory, hallelujah. Romans chapter 8, verse number 1. There is therefore now no condemnation. For those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. So if, if Christ has not condemned us upon repentance and belief, who are we to condemn anybody? That's God's work. That's God's job. That's God's business. So we, we do not judge unbelievers. What we do is we judge believers in so much that if they're claiming Christ to be their savior, 
then are they also claiming him to be Lord? And their lives should be a reflection of the active, ongoing work of sanctification as God is purifying us from one degree of glory to the next, burning sin off of us. So we should not walk, be walking in unrepentant sin. We should not be walking in unrepentant sin. Rather, there should be a struggle. And there should be evidence of the struggle. But to walk in unrepentant sin, we as the believers in God have an obligation to call that out. That is the righteous judgment that God has called for us. That's, again, not condemnation. I'm not saying you're going to hell. I'm not saying that you, you know, you that you aren't a believer. What I'm saying is you can't say that you're a believer and still walk in unrepentant sin. We're saying you can't continue, you can't be a believer in Christ and continue to miss the mark on him with something that you know is not what we're supposed to be doing in him. So let's walk through the scriptures. Let's pray with one another. Let's, let's sit with one another. Let's talk with one another. Let's counsel one another. Let's, as iron sharpens iron, let's sharpen one another. Not you, you, you going to hell. No. Let's walk through these scriptures. Let's walk with one another. Let's figure this thing out because your soul is at stake. I know what Christ has had to do for me. I know what Christ had to do for me, which goes back to Matthew chapter 18, when he says, um, well, no, not Matthew chapter 18, Matthew chapter 7, when it says, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take out the log in your own eye, then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. What is he saying? Once we recognize that we need Jesus, we need Jesus to get this log out of our eyes, we then now know how to tell our brother and, brother and sister, you, you need the Lord, man. It's going to take Jesus. It's going to take Jesus. It's going to take a relationship and a walk with Christ to remove that speck. Because if he took this big old beam out of my eye that I couldn't take out by myself, Jesus had to do the same. It's gonna, he's going to have to do the same. So let's walk alongside one another and help one another get past this and get through this because it's going to take the Lord. It takes Jesus. Especially when it's sin that we crave, sin that we love, sin that we adore, sin that we are having a hard time letting go of. Yeah, we're talking about corn, we're talking about lust, we're talking about heterosexual sin, we're talking about, you know, homosexual sin, you know, call spade a spade, we're talking about, you know, gambling, we're talking about lying, we're talking about deceit, we're talking about, you know, um, judgment, we're talking about gossiping, we're talking about, you name it, it's hard to let go of these things. 
when we want those things so badly that are walking contrary to how God would have us to walk. And just in case y'all think I'm out here playing in these streets. Paul said it like this in Romans chapter 1. So that way everything is covered. God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of evil, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. And though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. So everything is covered. There's no big sin, little sin. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And some of those sins we love, crave, desire. That's why it takes God taking out the heart of stone, putting in a heart of flesh. That heart of flesh beating to the, to the drum of the spirit so that our desire for God increases while our desire for sin decreases. And as it says in Colossians chapter 3, we fight the fight of the struggle between those two, those two, um, those two opposing sides. In Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse number 1, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. And then in verse number 5, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. And he goes through the whole laundry list. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. And then he goes in further. But now you must put, put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another. Those, those are the things that God is saying. If you are saying that you're living for me. If you're living in me, we cannot live for me and do these things. We have to fight. Fight those opposing sides. And say, and so here it is. We, the believers in God, one more time, we don't condemn anyone. That's God's work. Our job as the believers is to preach the gospel across the board that someone has come to redeem us of our sins. And for the believers, we judge in so much that we hold them accountable to the standard that they say that they're living by, this standard, this book, this Bible that we say that we're living by. And walk alongside them for the sake of them having godly grief that produce that that um, that um, that leads to repentance and produces salvation without regret. That is our charge. So 
the simple answer after that whole hour-long soliloquy? Do we have the right as believers to judge other believers? Yes. But judgment is not talking about heaven or hell. That's condemnation. Judgment is saying, I'm looking at this standard and I'm looking at you and you're not lining up with the standard that you say you're following. So let's talk about how to get you to line up, become realigned with the standard. Because if the standard is here and you're over here, we got to get y'all back lined up. That is our charge. That is what we do. That is the standard that we are setting for ourselves and the standard that we set for one another as the standard that has been set by our almighty God. And so that is our charge as the believers. And that is the charge for, um, oh my goodness, for, um, for one another as the believers in God. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Tuesdays and Thursdays from 6, um, 10 a.m. to 12 noon. We're doing a special episode today because we missed yesterday. Um, but if you've missed any part of this message or would like to hear past episodes, you can go right now to Spotify and Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the True Gospel Morning Show, the podcast. When we come back, I'm going to go through the, um, the, uh, the, the chat box and answer some questions that I've seen pop up on the chat. And so if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, go ahead and fill that box out right now. And from now till the end of the show, I'm going to be answering questions until we ain't got no more. Thank you so much for watching, and we'll be right back in just a moment.
watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live with you Tuesdays and Thursdays from 10 a.m. to 12 noon Eastern Standard Time. Certainly grateful again for everyone who's been on the show. Thank you for the thousand likes that we've gotten today. Thank you for the viewership on today. This is probably one of the most popular episodes we've had thus far on, of this show. Um, and so thank you guys once again for just taking some time to spend with your boy on this morning. I'm going to jump into the chat box real quick to see what you guys got going on down in the chat. Um, I see a question immediately right here that says, I was told Jews say all law, Christians say all grace, Bible says both, your thoughts please. Um, it's not an either or, it's a both and. Um, matter of fact, um, Paul says in the scriptures, um, let me see, where is it at? Um, where does it say it at? Here it is. Romans chapter 7, verse, starting at verse number 7. Romans chapter 7, starting at verse number 7. We find these words here that say, What then shall we say? That the law is sin? By no means. Yet if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. For I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, You shall not covet. But sin seizing an opportunity through the commandment produced in me all kinds of covetousness. For apart from the law, sin lies dead. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin came and alive and I died. The very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. For sin seizing an opportunity through the commandment deceived me and through it killed me. So the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good okay so we need the law to know the standard by which God would have his people to live and flourish the law is such to show us what it means to live a life that flourishes the commands of God Show us that this is the way to peace. This is the way to prosperity. This is the way to hope. This is the way to full love. That's what the law does. And in that, it also shows us our inca incapacity to fulfill it. Because how many of us, come on, come on, God. Jesus, Jesus said, no, I'm going to do it. Let me do it. Let me do it. I can say it for myself. Okay, Jesus, go ahead and say it then. Jesus said, in verse number 21, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Verse 27, you have heard that it was said, you should not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery. You heard it was said, whoever divorces his wife, let him get a certificate of divorce. But I say to you, everyone who, who divorces his wife um, makes her commit adultery. 33. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, don't take an oath. 
38. You've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and two for two, but I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. So on repeat, we see Jesus saying, your heart, if your heart, your thoughts, your feelings are contrary, you've already committed the crimes. So we need the law to know what the crimes are, but in having the law, it shows us our incapacity to fulfill it. So we need the law to produce in us, or at least we need the law as part of the gospel message to show us our inability to be righteous before a righteous God. We are incapable of righteousness on our own. Which is why we need Jesus. We need Jesus to be sin for us and then credit us with his righteousness so that God sees us positionally as righteous. That's grace. Grace says you are in the kingdom despite your inability to fulfill the law because the life, the um, the law has been fulfilled through Jesus. And in Jesus fulfilling the law, he now gives you the Holy Spirit to now help you fulfill the law without penalty of death for your inability to do it all the time. So the difference so that's that's how it comes together. It's not law versus grace. It's law and grace. They come together. They are two sides of the same coin. We need the law to know Jesus. And we need Jesus to fulfill the law. So law and grace come together. All right. Hope that answered your question. Um, someone said, didn't God say to Israel, let us reason together? Yes, he did. He did say that. Um, as Moses lifted the serpent? Yes, that's, yep. Mm-hmm. That's in um, John chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. Krillin came through. I can't worship a God that condones only fellow man as property. We've already talked about that 50, 11 times. I'm not going to go through it again today. Someone said, why am I here? Because uh, I want to be. Um... I don't understand where that comes from. Your oath into sin, giving power to others to do wicked. I don't understand what that means. KJ Forever said, 
um, for me, it's my thinking of constantly repent from. You got that right. It says in um, Romans 12 and 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. That That is that is the, the walk of every Christian um, in here, having to constantly, you know, have your thinking to be um, to be placed under submission, placed under submission. Matter of fact, Second Corinthians, I think it's chapter 10, talks about strongholds. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, starting at verse number 1 says, I, Paul, myself entreat you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. I who am humble when face to face with you, but be bold towards you when I'm away. I beg of you that when I am present, I may not have to show boldness with such confidence as I count on showing against some who suspect us of walking according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments in every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. Christ tells us, according to Paul, that these strongholds are not talking about People trying to hold me back from getting a job or strongholds of people trying to block me from my blessings or, you know, strongholds talking about, you know, my health is failing. That's a stronghold, you know, because God's God promised me with health that my, by his stripes, I'm healed and not even work again. I worried about your soul, worried about your body. But that's another conversation for another day. But again, you know, here it is. Strongholds are any plausible argument that comes up against the knowledge of God. And Paul says, we have been given the power to challenge and overthrow those thoughts. To take whatever thought that we have and to lay it under submission of the feet of Jesus. To align our thoughts, our feelings, our emotions up against the standard of Jesus. And so we constantly have to ask God, check my mind, check my mind. Like KJ Forever Learning saying, we have to constantly check our minds. Is what I'm thinking lining up with Jesus? Is what I'm feeling lining up with what I know to be true about Jesus? That's why he says we got to be in our word daily. We got to study this word daily. We got to get this word in our hearts Daily, so that we can know that we have a relationship with Jesus Christ and the thoughts that we have, we can take them captive in the strength of the Holy Spirit that lives in us. So we ask God, renew our minds, be transformed by the renewing of our minds. That is a daily affair. That taking up the cross, being sanctified, being purified, being glorified, that's a daily affair in which we are growing in our strength and growing in our admonition of the Lord, growing in our power of the Lord. So that when people, even in chat boxes, want to say certain things, God will even show us, don't even challenge that. What are you challenging that for? Stop. Don't even worry about that. That's irrelevant. 
Now, some people be like, do you need a moderator? No. Let people talk. Because I got a Holy Spirit living in me that's saying what's relevant and what's not. And they can have the chat box. That's a personal side, though. The point is, again, we need our minds renewed every single day. And we have a Jesus, have a living Savior, a living Lord, who will give us the power to renew our minds every single day to ensure that we're lining up to the scriptures, lining up to what God has said to be true about him, his word, and his way. Um, Tracy Green asked, do I think, you know, white people can believe God? Yes. Okay. All right. Whatever. Um, I don't know what Gary Benson talking about. All right. I think that's all of them. Okay. Let me go back down to the bottom. KJ Forever asks, I war with fear. Can you explain perfect love, cast not fear? Yes, um, as a matter of, ooh, I see what you did, God. Let's go to Matthew chapter 14. I just, I, 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 I'm studying the Gospels um, all year. Um, this is my personal challenge to myself every day, reading a chapter out of the Gospels for from now till the end of the year. Like that's, that's where God has me in, reading the Gospels from January to December. So I'm in Matthew right now. I'm going to go Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and I'm going to start over. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and just keep reading the Gospels. Just let God, um, Jesus, in his life of ministry, really minister to me. Um, reading Matthew chapter 14 today, um, I'm starting at verse number 22. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves for the, sin was against, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost. They cried out in fear, but immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Peter telling him, He's, Jesus said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. I wrote this note today. And this is what my note said. And so it's it's I'm so the fact that you're on here this morning is just by the by the grace and power of God. Fear can override our faith. And that's why we need Jesus to walk with us. We can do nothing without him. But with him, all things that are in his will are possible. We can conquer it if God wills it with faith in Jesus empowered by the spirit. So two questions came to mind. One, what in life seems impossible for God to do for you? 
How has your dependence on God been strengthened through the impossibleness of what God is, what you are, what you are thinking, what you believe God is trying to get you to do? Second, where is your faith during adversity? What has the ability to create doubt and override our faith? Doubt will come, but we can ask God to help my unbelief. The thing about fear is that it is a natural response. It is a natural response. God allows us to have a healthy dose of fear. It's to keep us in check. But sometimes that fear will get so great that it turns into anxiety. And when it turns into anxiety, it can cripple us from moving in the direction that God would have us to move. Doing the things that God is calling us to do. Being in places that God has called us to be. Perfect love drives out fear in so much that perfect love is Jesus. We need the Lord to help us to overcome and walk past the fears that we have. Because again, it's nothing wrong with having fear. As a matter of fact, God himself says, I want you to fear me. I want you to respect my power. I don't want you to be, oh my God, I'm so afraid of God. No, no, no. no I don't want you to fear me like that. But I know I want you to respect what I can do. Respect me. I can flex. Respect this. But I don't want you to be so deathly afraid of me. So, you know, if you are, what you are, whatever you are afraid of, ask God the question, or rather ask yourself the question, what is this thing that I'm so afraid of that I'm doubting God's power to overcome it? Because it's not by your power, your might, your strength, your capabilities that you're going to overcome whatever's in front of you. But it's definitely by God's. By the power of God, we are more than able. More than able to conquer whatever lies before us. If it is in his will for it to be done. If God wills it, it will come to pass. And we can trust and take to the bank that if God said so, we can stand flat-footed and say, mountain come down. So a lot of times, we're not asking the right question. The question isn't, should I not be afraid? The question is, what am I so afraid of that it has me doubting God's power? Um, doubting God's power. Because whatever we are afraid of, God has promised us, I'm bigger than that. I am bigger than that. I am bigger than that. So, in your prayer time with the Lord, be honest with him about what you are fearing. And then let his perfect love... Jesus, stir up your heart in such a way to where you are reminded, and this is what I love, if it is in God's will, 
the same oh my god the same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in us the same power that commanded the dead to wake I'm quoting lyrics right now lives in us the same power that can calm the raging sea it lives in us the same power that moves mountains when he speaks it lives in us so if that power lives in you that same power can drive out the fear that's in you to help you move forward in what you got going on so the power is in Jesus it's not in us not in our own strength, our own might, our own intellect, our own feelings, our own strategy, our know-how, our our um our popularity, our fame, our resources. It's in Jesus. So I have nothing to fear, even when I have a healthy dose of fear. Even in, even when I am afraid, my God is greater. Our God is greater. So I believe, help my unbelief. I believe, help my unbelief. I believe, help my unbelief so that even when I'm looking at the mountain and I'm scared, I can say to the mountain, I'm scared and Jesus. Jesus will get me through this. And with Jesus, we are, that's the thing that people don't understand about this story. When Jesus walked, when, when, when Jesus picks Peter up out of the water, what are they doing? What are they doing? They are walking on the water together. Jesus isn't dragging Peter through the water to get back on the boat. He pulls Peter out of the water and they're standing on the water together and walking on the water. We need the Lord. We need the Lord to save us. We need the Lord to, to sustain us. We need the Lord to sanctify us. We need him to purify us. We need him to glorify us. We need him for everything. And the same power that rose Jesus from the grave is the same power that lives in us so we can say, yes, I'm afraid, and Jesus. So I hope that answers your question. I hope that answers your question. Um, all right. Well, listen, if there are no more questions, no more comments, no more concerns, I certainly do thank each and every last one of you who have come on the show on today. I want to thank y'all from the bottom of my heart for just allowing me this opportunity to be able to minister to you guys. Um, I certainly do. am grateful for the 1,300 likes that we received. Grateful for every like, comment, follow, and share. I will be back tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So we will be back to our normal day and time on tomorrow. Make sure you're following me here. If you can't listen to the message tomorrow, you can go to Spotify and Apple Podcasts right now and subscribe to the True Gospel Morning Show, the podcast, and get every episode from inception to now. And so go and go to Spotify, go to Apple right now. Go ahead, do it now. Do
Do it now. Do it. Listen to me. Go do that now. Get off the show and go do it now. And go follow and um, follow and subscribe to the True Gospel Morning Show, the podcast. Listen to every episode. We thank you guys so, so much. And as always, if you can't see the good, be the good. I love you guys. Peace out, homies.